Welcome to the Out of State Hunter podcast. So today I have Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Park Service on, and I'm, I'm very, very happy to have Greg and Emily on from Montana. There's a lot of questions that usually kind of circle around Montana as far as the application process, and I have two perfect people to come on and talk about how that works and to explain the process for non-residents. So Greg and Emily, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you guys coming on and taking the time a second time to talk with me or we tried once and, and now we're on here for number two. So I appreciate that yeah, real quick interest. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, I, I, I really like doing these, these shows where I have the state agency come on and answer these questions because there's a lot of shows out there where people try to recite the regulation or they, they try to interpret that regulation. But I like having the state agency come on because you guys are the ones that are sitting in the boardrooms every day. And you guys are the ones that are hashing out these new requirements and things. And, and I think it's important to hear it from, from the horse's mouth, right? You get, they get it. We get it straight from, from the game agency. So um, real, the regulation. right. That's what we do isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> well, from, from the intro we had earlier, I think it's just all fun and games over there. At, at, That's right. uh, <laughs> the, well, let's do a quick intro uh, on Greg and Emily. I'll let you guys quickly introduce yourself and then we'll jump in. Cause I think we're on a kind of a time limit here. Okay. Uh, I'm Greg Lemon. I am the uh, head of the communication and education division for fish, wildlife and parks. Perfect. I'm Emily Cooper. I'm the licensing chief here at Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Awesome. Two perfect people to come on and talk about these things. So I have a pretty standard format when I do these kind of a list of questions, and I sent them over to you to you guys. Um, let's just jump in. Were, were there any major changes from the last couple of years to 2023 that people need to expect and they need to be aware of? Because sometimes there's big, big changes that really impact the way a person applies and, and the chances that they have. Yeah, that's a good question. And I would say the the one thing I always tell people is no matter no matter what uh, you think, you know, get familiar with the regulations. Uh, they're available online. They're available, um, you know, at our outlets here in Montana. But for non-residents, they can certainly get to them online. So get familiar with the regulations again uh, there. Over the last couple of years, we've made some hunting district changes. So there's some changes to hunting district boundaries. That means that uh, sometimes, you know, what you think was the hunting district you used to know and love is might have had a boundary change. And so, you know, pay attention to that. Um, the other thing that we've been telling folks is that we are, you know, in the second year of our MyFWP mobile app, that's a, uh, essentially it's a digital wallet for your licenses. So you can, it'll store all of your licenses and then it, you can also uh, use it uh for your e-tags. And so if you take, if you select e-tags, when you buy your licenses, uh, then you'll be able to use the uh, MyFWP app for your e-tag. So that, that's, those are two things we've been um, making sure people know. So think anything else? Those are the big ones. Yep. yep. Have you seen a lot of people making that transition over to the e-tags? Yeah, we've seen uh, just in year one, about 15% of the folks that are getting licenses are selecting e-tags. I, this year. is my first year doing it. Is there any difference? So what do you got to do? What's the process for the e-tag as far as tagging the animal? How's it, how does it work when you're in the field? It's so easy. Uh, you make sure you're, you make sure that you've got your tags downloaded to your phone uh, when you head out. And then, um, you know, when you get in the field, I, sh I shot an antelope last year. I had an e-tag, open the phone. 
there I think there's three different uh val three different confirmations to make sure that you wanted to validate your tag. That is it. And that's it. So then you don't have to worry about carrying one with the head and one with the the meat and you always got one in your pocket with your on your phone yep. there. Yeah, I validated my e-tag, put the phone back in my pocket and then got busy dealing with the animal. Huh, that's cool. Does it GPS locate where you shot your animal or do anything like that or is it just simply validating that you're punching that tag? Date uh, it, it validates it validates that you're punching the tag. It, it so I like where I was there wasn't any cell service and so it uploaded you know, it, it sort of validated within the licensing system once I got back into cell service, okay. but it, it chronicled that that um, validation, you know, on my device. Yeah, yeah, on my device, and then, but uh, cool. no, we don't we can't collect we don't collect any GPS locations. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you mean you know where I shot my deer at? Um, right. So, okay. How about important reminders? Is there anything coming up that people need to be aware of? Yeah. The application deadline for non-residents to apply for deer and elk is April 1st. April 1st. Yep. You have until 1159 on April 1st to put in your applications for that. May 1st uh, is the application deadline for moose, sheep, and goat, and bison. And then June 1st is for deer, bee, elk, bee, antelope, and antelope, bee. Okay. We will get to the they difference. Can do, they can do all of that right now, right? Yep. You can apply uh, right now. Uh, those are just the deadlines. So everything is open for application right now. Okay. Everything's open, but there's different deadlines for the different yep. types of yep. species. And what's the difference between an antelope bee and a deer bee and antelope and deer? So uh, we, we call your general license your A license, which is an either sex license. Your B license is typically a female or a young male. Okay. That's for antelope. So deer A can be either sex or it can be yep. just antlered. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Make sure and check those regulations, like Greg said. Well, that's absolutely important. And we're going to say that probably multiple times throughout this podcast. I, 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 I Please do, because I say it a lot. And I think it's absolutely necessary that a person understands the, the regulation. I mean, it is necessary, right? That you know where you're going and what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so we got those important dates, April 1st, deer and elk, May 1st for the bigger species, and then the June 1st for those bee tags and um, deer and antelope. Okay, how about licensing requirements for a non-resident? If I'm going to be chasing an elk in Montana, what has to be in my pocket or what do I need in order to be legal to do that? So all non-residents are going to need their general license first. So during our application period that's open for a couple more days, you apply for your non-resident license. And in Montana, those are limited uh, in law to a certain amount. So we're gonna draw for those. You're also gonna need to put in for your permit before April 1st. And a permit expands or restricts that opportunity. It's not uh, an actual license to harvest another animal, but it gives you some different opportunities. For example, uh, your general license is good all over the state and whatever the regs tell you that you can can hunt there, but a permit will give you, tell you that you can shoot a bull elk in this particular district or a buck deer in this particular district. So those are on top of the general license, but you have to draw that general license first. You apply all at the same time for everything. Okay. So if I'm going to apply, then I would apply for a general license and that gives me access to the entire state or what the, the legal boundaries for a general license, which is the majority of the state. 
And then if I want to have a bull elk in unit, whatever, XXXXX5, then I have to apply for that also at the same time that I apply for the general tag. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Um, we do those drawings at the same time on the same day, just in a sequence. So that's why you have to apply for them all right now. Okay. Are all the general tags drawn first and then it comes back around and, and then hits all of those permit tags? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. We have three different kinds of combination licenses for non-residents. We have the big game combination, which is a general deer, general elk, uh, season fishing and upland season upland game bird. And then we have a deer combination, which is just for deer, um, upland game bird and season fishing. And then an elk combination, which is elk, season fishing and upland game bird. Shoot, so there are deer, three different types. A deer elk combo would be a heck of a license to draw. Yeah. Yep. Pretty good one. Do those seasons overlap? So if you draw a deer elk comp, so let's say I'm the guy from South Carolina that wants to come and hunt Montana. I don't want to come out two times. Can I hunt deer and elk at the same time? Yes. Okay. So the license or the tag, the, the season dates overlap. Yep. Yeah. When you're our, our general big game season is, uh, you know, they're the same for deer and elk. So antelopes has a little bit different season. There's a different archery uh, only season. And then um, they, we have shoulder seasons for for elk, uh, antlerless elk, and those extend depending on the hunting district you're at into uh, February. Gotcha. Okay. And we're going to come back to those seasons here in just a minute. I want to hit a couple more things. So what else is required in order to hunt as far as the um, licensing requirements? We definitely know we need the non-resident license, and then we need a general season or a, a permit to go with that general season tag hunter education. Is that mandatory? Is there any other requirements? It is. Yep. Yep. If you're born after 1985, you're required to have a hunter's education um, in Montana or another state, right? We'll accept yeah. other states. Yep. Yes. We'll accept yes. other states. Okay. And how's that? Do you just have to have it with you? You don't have to submit it ahead of time with the license or anything. You just need you do. a card. When you're applying, you have to enter your hunter's education number. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Otherwise, good. So all, yeah. yeah, all that's got to be done ahead of time. Perfect. Yep. What about, before we start jumping into preference, all the, the good stuff, what about mandatory reporting? Do you guys have any mandatory reporting requirements when someone harvests an animal? Uh, we do on uh, some of the uh, kind of predator species. So there's a mandatory reporting requirement for bear, uh, wolf, mountain lion, uh, but not for our kind of general big game critters. That okay. About. CWD, do you guys have any CWD concerns or is there check stations and how does that work? Yeah, we do have CWD uh, stations around the state. Uh, CWD is not, we haven't found it everywhere, but we found it enough places that uh, you know, it's pretty widespread uh, in Montana. So uh, what we tell people is um, that you need to, the best thing to do is to leave your uh, carcass in the field, um, you know, at the, at the site of the kill um, or uh, back, if you, if you are bringing it out, bag it up uh, and put it in a, in a landfill or, a, you know, a garbage that's headed to a landfill uh, we do have the CWD stations. Uh, well, our staff will be there if you want to get an animal sample. They'll be there to help you get the animal sample. That's free to hunters. Um, and then if you are 
comfortable sampling the animal yourself, you can do that in the field and send it in. And uh, that's also free. Uh, the test is free. So we have an online portal that goes up uh, before the season starts where you can check your uh, test results uh, and find an inspection station um, so that uh, if you want to take take your critter there or any of our regional offices. But main thing we're focusing on from a communication standpoint and if, is if you're worried, get your animal tested and uh, proper carcass disposal to help protect our herds. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Okay, so let's hop into bonus points versus preference points. I think this is the one that I hear a lot. Um, the, the question that I hear a lot is, what's the difference in Montana between a bonus point and preference we point? We've never heard that before. <laughs> I bet you, uh, I think you're pulling my leg. Um, <laughs> even Montana residents have a hard time with this one. So have, yep. there, there are two major differences to know up front. Preference points are for non-residents only. Oh, well, they there don't you go. To any residents. They're just for non-residents and they're used to get those big game combination licenses. So and we have a preference system here that uh, prioritizes those combination licenses. So the more preference points you have, the higher up on the list you go. And for example, you know, we have 17,000 licenses available. We have 20,000 people that apply. We'll take uh, from top to bottom, the ones that have the most preference points and the max you can have is three. And then we'll go through 17,000. We'll go down that list until we've used up all those licenses. That's how those preference points work. And it's only applicable to those. Okay. Bonus points are a different thing altogether. Um, those ones give you, offer you additional opportunities in the drawing. And those are for residents and non-residents and therefore licenses and permits. So for example, if you're, you're putting in for a permit and you have nine bonus points, um, my math's not good, so we're going to do three bonus points. Okay, so <laughs> uh, before you go into that drawing, we're going to square those bonus points and give you nine opportunities instead of three. So that gives you nine opportunities in the drawing to, to pull a permit. Um, another important thing in Montana for permits is that non-residents are, are limited to only 10% of that quota. So if there's 100 permits available, residents are allocated 90 of those. And only 10 of those will be given, uh, a maximum of 10 will be given to non-residents. Okay. The, does any, do you guys have any that goes to landowners? Is there a percentage that's cut out for that too? Or We do, we do. Um, if you are a landowner here in Montana, 15% uh, of that permit quota is set aside for people that qualify for landowner preference. So okay. again, if we had 100 available, we would have 15 set aside for those that qualify for landowner preference. Okay. And that's coming out of that resident percentage. So it would be residents at 75% total. and then- That'll come out of the total percentage. So total, per yeah, total, yep. total percentage, sorry. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So that wasn't super confusing like I thought it was going to be. But <laughs> it's pretty easy if you lay it out like that. <laughs> is, it, is there an expiration on those preference points? You said that you can only have three. Yes. So, so let's talk points, through that. Yep. Preference points have a maximum of three. And if you don't apply in consecutive years, they go away. Damn, I think I lost some. Yeah. 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 You probably, uh, you probably did. Yeah. There is another opportunity here. If, if you're hunting in Montana with an outfitter, and you designate that at the time of application, you could purchase another preference point. 
So uh, out-of-state hunters that are just uh, DIY hunters, they're just going to go on their own, are only offered one opportunity of a preference point. But if you're going to hunt with a Montana outfitter, you get two. Okay. So that was another question that I had later. Can you actually draw a tag or, or have a hunt and get a point in the same year? And it sounds like the only way to do that is if you use an outfitter. So uh, another important point here is that preference points are used during the drawing. Okay. They are, yep, we're going to toss those in exactly when we draw. Bonus points are granted after the drawing if you are unsuccessful. So when you're applying, you're saying, hey, I want to participate in the bonus point program, which means I want to pay my extra couple bucks to do that. We're going to put your, your name in there several times. And then if you're unsuccessful, we're going to grant you one at the end. We'll give you another one. So next year, instead of three base bonus points, you're going to have four. So we're going to square four instead of three. Gotcha. So the longer okay. you do this, the more opportunities you have in the drawing. Okay. Are preference points also awarded for unsuccessful drawing? Nope. Preference points no. are used at the very beginning. That's how we draw. Okay. So we're going to compile them all up and go from top to bottom. Who has three, who has two, who has one. That's how we'll go through those. Okay. So you have to purchase preference points no matter if you, if you want to collect them. Um, yes. Okay. Okay. I think I got it. So I need to keep my, you got to keep applying every year or buying, buying or applying in order to not lose those three points. So, okay. And that was a recent change, right? Wasn't that something that was like 2021? Yeah, 2021 was the yeah. outfitter endorse point, but we've had preference points for, you know, 10, 12 years now. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So how is Montana broken up? Do you have game management units? I know you said the general tag gives you access to the majority of the state, but as far as those permit tags, how are those, what are those based on? So uh, Montana's broken up into hunting districts and uh, deer and elk hunting districts are the same. And so when you get into moose and sheep, goat, bison, those are different districts, different district configurations, but uh, deer and elk uh, hunting districts are the same. So we have, uh, uh, we've got a handful of mule deer districts that are, are permit only, uh, um, yield their districts. I, I can't remember off the top of my head how many. We have a lot of opportunity in the state. So so it's way more, there's way more hunting districts that are general license opportunities for mule deer than there are uh, limited. And then uh, we also have a lot of over-the-counter or sort of general license opportunity for elk. So we do have some really uh, famous limited draw hunting districts, you know, 380 comes to mind. Um, you know, we've got 339. Those those are two right here close to Helena, but we've got a few of those that are limited draw districts that are kind of managed for older age class bull elk. But there's uh, a lot of antlerless elk opportunity in Montana with a general license. So um, you uh, if you come out here as a non-resident and are just looking to hunt a general license, you're going to have a lot of places where you can go and hunt both deer and elk. Uh, on a general basis yeah and that's a big state lots of land yeah yeah or just generally speaking if you want to hunt bucks and bulls you got to get a permit to do okay that yeah i like that that's a good way to put it mm -hmm. bucks and bulls you got to get a permit okay good um so how does the process work i want to go on today and i want to apply for something so as a non-resident where do i even start this process go to our our um Montana FWP website, there'll be a button on the top that says buy and apply. Click on that guy. 
And then there'll be a button that says, I'm a non-resident. Okay. So you can click on that. And then if you know your ALS number, which is typically your date of birth and then a one to three digit number after that, then it, it typically, if you've hunted in Montana before, we've saved that information in our licensing system. And we'll call it up for you and say, hey, um, is this Emily? And we move along and we go through the application. You That's where you can apply for all your licenses, your permits. Um, you can get a Montana outdoor subscription if you like. You can donate to a couple options like Hunters Against Hunger, uh, which is a program that, that donates some money um, to... Uh, Butcher shops yeah, throughout yeah. the state that process meat on behalf of the Montana Food Bank Network right. and distribute it through those means too. Yeah, so hunters can donate uh, donate their uh, harvest, and then the Hunters Against Hunger compensates the butchers for handling that meat, getting it to the food pantry. That's a really really cool thing. That's really yep. neat. What's it called? Hunters Against Hunger. Yep. Yep. Sorry for the pause here. I'm writing that down. Um, okay. So once I'm in there, um, I'm in through the license. By the way, I'm kind of clicking through and I see there's some tutorial videos here as you yeah. click through. So I, I like that. There's actually a resident online licensing video and a non-resident online licensing video. So both of those, I'm, I'm sure, are excellent resources. And um, I would encourage people to watch those. I will yeah. likely do that later this mm -hmm. afternoon. We would too. Yeah. It really, they really do a good job of walking people through the application process. Yeah. Good. Okay. So then I get into the application process and do I select if I want to do a um, general license or a permit? How's that process work? So this is uh, the first opportunity where we spoke about, uh, spoke about those outfitter endorsed preference points if you're going to hunt with an outfitter. So you're going to make your uh, non-resident combination license selection right now. So you're okay. going to say, am I hunting with an outfitter or not? If okay. you're not, you choose the, the big game combination, the general one. If you are, you choose an outfitter endorsed one. Okay. And then it's going to ask you for the, the outfitter's name and uh, Montana license number. So we can make sure that people aren't taking advantage of that and getting an extra point. So we're going to check with those outfitters and say, these guys say that they're hunting with you. Is that correct? And they will uh, endorse all of those folks and say, yep, this guy is, but that guy's not. So, and then. How often do you find the bad guy? Um, Occasionally. Yep, yeah. Uh, we do. So it's those then, out, they're always out there, right? Yep. Yep. Then we take you out of the drawing. Good. Good. There has to be a repercussion of some sort. So that's great. Okay. All right, so I don't want to do outfitter. I just want to do a, I want to hunt a bull elk in Montana. Mm -hmm. So now what so are we doing? You pick your general license and then you go through and pick your, your elk permit. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to go select your district where you want to hunt. So that's another important part. You need to know where yep. that you're going to hunt um, because they're only really specific to those hunting districts. So um, certain opportunities are first and only choice. So you don't get a second or third choice. And other ones, you have up to three choices. So if I don't get this one, then I'll get put in the a permit drawing for this one. But some are very specific and they are listed in the regs as first and only choice. So that means you won't be offered other options. And is that based on a hunt code? Like, should somebody be looking yeah. in the reg to yep. say, I want 380 um, yep. or, or um, District 380? Yep. Okay. Yeah, code. so there'll be a... There'll be a honey district number is a three digit number, and then there'll be a hyphen, and then the 
permit type will be a two two digit code. Okay. Um, so that they they need to look for those that that five digit. Uh, they're called license and permit types. Okay. Good. We also put in our regulations those drawing statistics for each hunting district for each license. So you can check to see where your odds are on drawing those too. So lots of people check those out before they apply because they kind of, kind of see what their odds are. Mm -hmm. Based on yeah. last year's drawing? Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you have any 100% draw odds? Is there anything out there that's 100%? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, okay. That was a pretty uh, so quick the, guess. So I'm assuming there's there's many where people can yeah. apply. Yes. Yeah. So the... The other thing, uh, you know, as you're looking at plant, this is kind of the first part of planning your hunt is we also have an online hunt planner that's a mapping resource. So that has an overlay of all the hunting districts. So people can can look at the, you know, sit down with the regulations and look at draw odds, look at numbers of permits, and then look uh, at the sort of aerial map of the state with the hunting district boundary to see if it you know looks like a place they want to go i was playing around with that the other day that's a very good tool it's very seems pretty simple to get through and and yeah um you can sort out what's private land blm you can it, it's a very functional tool so i i would also encourage people to check that thing out um okay so i that sounds like about it i guess and then do you pay up front for the tags or, or is it a, you just got to buy the license and what's the payment process? You do. You're going to pay up front. Um, and if you are unsuccessful in the drawing, we're going to give you all your money back, except for about $38 of prerequisite licenses. Even the combo license, you yep. refund for the yep. combo. Oh, really? If you're wow. unsuccessful, wow. we're going to give you that money back. So just for a just quick reference, last year we had about 55,000 people apply for 23,000 licenses. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. So um, we do give your money back. If you are successful and you choose not to hunt here, we will give you a refund of up to 80% if you submit that refund before August 1st. So then we resell that license to the next guy on the list. Okay. And we'll get to that. That's second. Oh, oh. so there's no secondary drawing, I guess. It just goes to the guy gets a phone call and says, hey, you got lucky. Um. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to get a phone call, but yeah. Yeah. He's okay. going to check his MyFWP. Um, the one that Greg spoke about at the very beginning, that's uh -huh. our portal to check to see what your drawing uh, status is. So it will tell you successful or unsuccessful. Okay. Yep. Very and cool. then uh, during that application process that we were talking about, you can choose whether you want your e-tag or if you want to uh, have us mail those to you, we'll mm -hmm. print it out and mail it. Or you can have your e-tag when you're successful. It'll just be on your app on your phone. Gotcha. When does the draw results post? I, I probably should have asked that during the important dates. What, what about what time frame do you guys start? Mid April. Yep, we do it pretty quick. Yep. Wow. Okay. First, and then we get it done by the middle of the month. Okay, and then that goes the same for the May first deadline. I guess mid May you yep. would start to see those moose, sheep, that type of stuff. Yep. The That's only fast. difference. The only difference is antelope, um, because we we do the apply the the deadline is June first, but we're still in, the, we've got biologists in the field still counting up antelope and determining how many uh, tags are going to get issued. And so that drawing's a little later. We do the, the antelope drawing in August. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Um, um, for, for moose, sheep, and goat, those big trophy species, you don't pay up front. You just pay an application fee. And then we put it in a pending status and we send you an email that says, hey, you drew a goat tag. Uh, come in and finalize the purchase online. So you just log in as you and 
you finalize that that purchase. So for those particular big species, we don't have you pay up front. Are those once in a lifetime? Nope. No? Oh, wow. Nope. Okay. Good. All right. So one more question. Um, you, you threw out a number earlier, 17,000 uh, out-of-state hunter or non-resident licenses that are out there. Are the yeah. is that seventeen thousand across the board, or is that seventeen thousand elk? What's how's that breakdown? So, um, in our in our Montana statute, it says that we will sell uh, seventeen thousand big game and elk combination licenses. So that's together. That's those two li license types together, not separately. So a combination of those two. So we put them all all those applicants in a bucket. We shake it up out of the same bucket and pull out seventeen thousand of those. For deer combinations, that's 4,600. So those go into a different bucket, but the big game combos and the elk combos go into the same bucket. Okay. So um, it's about 23,000 total between those three license types. What do you see more applications for? The big game the combo? The big yep. one with the deer and, and elk? Then, and then deer. Yeah, deer second. It has quite a few applicants, probably um, 17,000 for, wow. for 4,600 licenses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So then next, moving on from that, that was just a number I was really curious about. I didn't know how that broke out. Um, moving on to the, the process. I think you went over this earlier. Let me make sure I've got it right. And if I don't, to, just correct me. Um, so that once that person applies and we're coming down to the draw, you're going off of those bonus points and preference points in order for to, a person to get a license, right? So if I've got three bonus points, I'm going to get picked before the guy with two. Is that correct? Nope. nope. Oh. <laughs> That's for preference points. Oh, so okay. Gotcha. Preference points. Yep. You're going to, you have to draw that general license to even get put in the pool for the permits. Okay. And the bonus points are for the permits. Okay. So and how's then, the bonus point system work? So that's the one where you have the, we square the numbers. So you have three bonus points. So we square that. That means you get basically, that's the number of tickets that you have in the lottery. And so when we pull, say, 50 tags for, and there's a thousand applicants, we we pull 50 tags. And if there's a guy in there with nine and there's a guy in there with a hundred, you know, the guy with a hundred's got better odds of getting one of those 50, but, but it's, it's a random, random lottery, not, a, not a preference-based lottery. So, so yeah. the preference points are for the, the non-resident. Uh, licenses, the bonus points are for the resident and non-resident permits. Gotcha. So you need the preference points to get to the bonus round, basically, to get to the bonus yep. point round. Yep. Okay. So then, uh, okay, so as I'm looking at this, if I want a great, uh, or let's say a really good hunt someday, three, we'll keep using that 380 region that you talked about earlier, um, I would want to do preference points for several years and continue to try to draw a general tag and then you're shaking your head. No, I think you know where I'm going. With get, so you only get three preference points. Well, right. But I could hunt every few years. I could try to hunt every few years with those preference points. But would I want to try to collect those bonus points? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I want as many bonus points as I can, but I could yeah, still so, hunt every few years, just general tech. Yeah. And there's, there's a, um, there's a strategy. I mean, obviously on, on, if you're trying to save up for a specific, save bonus points up for a specific district, I mean, there's obviously a strategy, but I don't know how that works with non-residents. So if if you 
if the non-resident draws the big game combo mm -hmm. uh, and they don't draw, then they put in for like a 380, but they don't draw it. They get the bonus point, but they they don't hunt or, or they can turn it turn it in or? Yeah, so that's a, an element of complexity for sure. So when you apply as a non-resident, uh, you have some options. So for example, if you apply for a big game combination license, and you draw that license, and mm -hmm. then we go through the elk permit drawing and you don't get your elk permit, because it's pretty tough to draw when it's only limited, you know. 10%. Uh, to whatever that is. Yeah, I was gonna look. So for 380 last year, we had 100 permits available and 9,880 people applied. So that is a 1% draw yeah. chance. Okay. So if you don't get, you don't get your permit, you have the option on your application to either Keep your big game combination license and come out here and hunt anyway without your elk permit. You can return the whole thing and we'll give you an 80% refund. Or the third option is I can just keep my deer portion of that combo and return the elk portion. So okay. I can cut that combo and just come out here and hunt deer. And then you still get your bonus point and you get to come out and deer hunt. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's thank you. There is a little complexity there, but yeah. I think explaining it that way yeah. is that there there are options. And what I have said on many other podcasts, if you're put in that situation, I would recommend calling Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks and saying, this is where I'm at. This is what I got. What do I do now or what should I do? So I think that communication is probably the best resource that you have. Yep. My folks here in the call center uh, have all the answers for you that you're looking for. So by all means, give us a call and ask that question. Okay. Um, I had how many hunt choices can a person apply for? You said that depends on the unit, right? It, it's yeah. summer one, summer you can do three, up to three choices. What yeah. what um, separates those? Which one is a one choice and, and like, how does that work? Well, it's generally, it's it's been a decision by the uh, uh, commission. Uh, and it's I think it's based on kind of a lot of feedback that we've had on how to manage for the, uh, older age class bull opportunities and some of the hunting pressure situations. So that's kind of generally it. Um, generally, we have a lot of opportunities for antlerless elk hunting in Montana uh, because we've got areas that are over objective and not from numbers. And then we have limit, you know, we limit that um, those bull opportunities, you know, in a lot of other areas around the state. Okay. Um, we were talking about how about group and party applications? Can you apply as a group or a party app? You can. You can apply in Montana as a party, and by that we mean uh, that you can apply together as a group. That doesn't mean that you can hunt off each other's tags. Yeah, so I should actually in my notes, there. I'm going to take party out of there because there, that's a whole different meaning. Uh, but yep. okay, so you can group apply, and you can? up yep. to how many people can you apply as a group? Up to five. So when you're applying, um, if you're the party originator, so you're the guy that's going to establish the party, you say, uh, I have, you know, Emily, I got four other people. So myself, and then I list those people. So I'm going to have Chad and I'm going to have Greg, and then I'm going to have, you know, uh, Tim, and then I'm going to have Steve. So I have to list those all on my application when I establish that party. So then when I go through that application and I get my receipt, I'm going to uh, be given a party number. Mm -hmm. And that's the number that I give you and then I give Greg and then I give Tim and I give Steve. 
So when they apply, they say, are you the member of a party? And we say, yep. And then let's say, put the party number here. And it's a typically a four digit number. So then they say, oh yeah, well, you're an Emily's party, correct? And you say, yep. So how does the, how does the point system work for that? How do they collect all the points and square that? Or is it? So for preference points, the ones where you can have a maximum of three, where it gives you priority, we're going to uh, average those between the party. So okay. if I have three, Greg has two, you have one. Those are all going to be averaged together. Okay. Um, and we all have to select that we're purchasing preference points. That's also a requirement. So I can't decide to have preference points. And Greg says no. If Greg says no, then he's going to be on his own. He's not going to be a part of that party. Gotcha. So we all have to make the same decisions on that and bonus points as well. Okay. Are so the bonus points? Oh, so the bonus points are averaged and then squared? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, can you change your application once I, so I, let's say today I go on, I make changes or I, I do my application tomorrow. I, I realize I made a mistake. Can I make a change at that point? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> um, like I said, we get a hundred thousand applications and, uh, my folks here, there are only six of them. Ooh. So we just, we can't, we don't have time to deal with it. So we, we let you know several times during the transaction, I believe three to four times, make sure that you know what you're applying for because you <laughs> yeah. cannot yeah. go and change it later. It's just, it's, it gets too complicated and too cumbersome. And in order to do the drawing as quick as we do, we don't allow changes. Totally understand. I, I think that's, that's great. Um, what about, so prices of tags, all of that stuff. I, I tell people just go on, look at the reg and see how much you're going to pay. Yep. Um, Cause we could, that we could be here for another hour talking about prices, but all of that stuff is listed to include the, the price of the combos and the non-resident license that's required. All of that stuff's in the reg. So yep. Mm -hmm. Reference the reg. Um, let's talk about over the counter opportunities. So is there over the counter opportunities in Montana for non-residents? Yes, there is. So after those drawings take place where we talked about those those deadlines and, and when we do those drawings, anything that's left over from those particular drawings that isn't allocated that way will be sold as an over-the-counter license. And those typically go on sale in mid-August. So Where do you find that list? of? of... That will be online. Yep. Okay. So mm -hmm. go to the portal, mm -hmm. buy yep. and apply. I guess you're probably going to yep. that buy and apply tab. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a a list that you have to sign up for. We call it the surplus list. So we're going to gather everybody's name that's interested in those. And you can have multiple opportunities too. If you want, you know, two of these and one of these, you just sign up and say what you want. And then we'll, we'll open that list for a certain amount of time. Then we'll close it and randomize it. So it will be another randomized drawing of, and then when those, those over-the-counter licenses become available, we'll send you an email that says, Hey, you have this opportunity. Come on and, and finalize that purchase. Gotcha. Okay. What about bear, turkey, some of those other, I won't call them outliers, but mm -hmm. not the typical big game deer, elk, antelope. Yep. Is there OTC bear? Yes. Yes. You can purchase a bear over the counter. Is that and over the counter in the surplus or like go to Walmart? And anytime. Okay. Yeah. Anytime that you have a, a another license, conservation license, you can purchase a wolf license or a bear license. Oh, nice. Um, is there quotas on that as far as the, the district that you would want to hunt in, or is it statewide? How does that OTC bear? Work? We do have some bear quotas. Um, uh, make sure to check your hunting regulations. Also in Montana, you need to, uh, pass a bear ID test. Uh, so when you 
first purchase a license, you need to go through, uh, there's a test online on, um, on a, telling the difference between a grizzly bear and a black bear. Okay. You're not allowed to shoot one of those. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of those bad guys, right? That's one of the right. bad guys that gets in trouble. Um, so, okay, how about, we talked about the e-tag. If you have a paper tag, though, are you required to tag an antler? Or are you re required to tag the meat in order to get it back to the truck? How does the paper tag work? Paper tag, it works the same as it as it has um, in the past. So just, you got a paper, if, you, if you're choosing the paper tag, just do it like you've always done it. Okay. Uh, the one thing that I think is different here than some other states is we don't require proof of sex to be naturally attached, just needs to be accompany the animal from the field to the point of processing. Okay. And uh, what do you mean by that? You have to take a proof of sex with you? It just doesn't have to be naturally attached. Right. And does the right. An, uh, do antlers or the head of the animal count as proof of sex? Yep. Okay. And do they have to remain not necessarily together, but if the head is in the truck and I got to go back for another load of meat and then I'm yeah. coming out with that load of meat and I don't have the head with me and I get stopped somewhere. You're well, I think if you were, uh, if you're other, if your process of getting that other load of meat was to, uh, you know, was a two hour drive from where the head was, then I think you, you might run into a problem. But if you're, if you're driving out to the road or you're walking out to the road, first load, you got the horn, second load, you don't, I think you're, you know, you'll be fine. The point isn't to catch people. The point is just to, just to ensure that if we, uh, if there are questions that, that we've got some evidence to start an investigation okay. on. Okay. Um, just a couple more quick questions for you. Uh, blaze orange is that required in Montana? Uh, four four hundred square inches. Okay, visible. So, uh, you got a skinny little vest and you put a backpack on that's not doesn't have any blaze orange on it. That uh, you're you're subtracting from what you got on your vest. So it's four hundred square inches of visible blaze orange. And is that during all seasons during, or no just... general season? Not during archery. Okay, just general. So rifle muzzle loader too. Yep. Okay. Um, I, what resources do you guys have? So is there, do you guys have, I know you have a couple of, it looked like really good resources under the buy and apply tab on the website. Do you have a YouTube page, social media pages where people can find as a resource? Yep. Uh, yep. And then uh, our hunt tab on our website has a lot of resources. That's where you get to our hunt planner. Mm -hmm. um, there's some access links under there. So uh, block management is a huge, huge, our kind of main access program. And so we've got block manage. There's, you know, between block management and some other programs, we have about 8 million acres of private land access okay. in the state that we manage. And so that block management, there's, there's a type one, which is just a sign in box. And there's a type two where the landowner manages the access. So you might have to call ahead and get get a reservation or, or get a permission slip or something like that. Um, and then those maps are available on hard copy online. So every block management area, every one has a map and then a, a set of rules. A lot of them are the same rules, but you, but when you go onto a block management area, you need to have the map with you and you need to know the rules for the area. 
that's rules on access, where to park, you know, what game you can hunt. Cause there's, you know, they could be different in that. Like some people might want you to hunt deer and elk, but might not want you to hunt pheasants as an example, um, or okay. maybe not mule deer. Um, I hunt, I hunt a block management area that's white-tailed deer and elk, but not mule deer um, as an example. So, so, so that can be accessed online and it's also a layer on the hunt planner. So you can look at the hunting districts and then you can look at what the block management areas are within that hunting district as you're planning your hunt. Those block, that block management layer doesn't come online uh, till later in the year as, because we're right now starting to sign up landowners for, for this coming hunting season. But okay. uh, if you're successful, if you're a non-resident and you are successful getting on the hunt planner, you know, later in the summer and, and starting to look at what the block management areas look like within your hunt district is a really good idea. Gotcha. Okay. Anything else that we missed that you guys think is relevant to non-residents or we hammered it Fly on? early. Don't wait till the last minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, every year I see that it doesn't matter what the state, it's not just Montana. Everybody is on the social media, right? And they're so frustrated because I can't get logged on. Well, I, I applied a yeah. week ago and I didn't have any problems. So I always, exactly, to... exactly. We get a mad rush and then we're not available. You know, we, you can apply till midnight that night, but we're here till seven o'clock um, to help customers. But after that, we're gone. So we can't help you. And these yeah. guys work really hard for, for several months of the year. To, right. We open up the office later and take calls later. And we answer emails after we go home uh, at night to make sure that we get customer answers as quick as we can. So, um, just uh, go early. Yeah. And I would say also, if you haven't done this or you've only applied at Montana a couple of times is give yourself some time to work through the application yeah. process so that you can, you know, pull that video up on one screen and have another window with your application so that if you hit, uh, questions, you've got some time to, to work through that instructions. And if you get stuck, you, you have do it at a, have that time at in a place or in a in a time frame where our um call center is open so if you if you hit a hit a roadblock you can't get through or you don't understand you can call mm -hmm. the call center and that's that's what are they hours the call center um montana time 7 a.m to 7 p.m march 1st through april 1st okay and i was trying to look really quick here so this will be this podcast will go out about a week and a half. I'm probably going to post this one a little bit early just so that people can listen to it and they'll have a, a week or so before that application deadline, at least for the, the deer and elk. So, well, thank you very, very much. What's the best way to, what's that call center number and then the best way to get in touch with Montana? Um, yep. You go to our website, uh, fwp.mt.gov. Our call center is 406-444-2950. Those general licensing. We do. I just don't know it off the top of my head. But that's okay. I'm going to link. I'll link that stuff into the, I'll, I'll link the website and then there's got to be a contact <laughs> us spot on there too. And, and people okay. generally find it. And then I'll also link in the regulation and I'll probably put a link to that hunt planner on there so that people yeah. have several mm -hmm. different resources to, to look at. So, yeah. well, thank you both very, very much for taking the but, time to come on today. That was, that was good. Thank good. you. Absolutely.